Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Thursday, August 4th, we've had about 40 hours. I don't know exactly how many, Jack, to digest all of the prospects moved at the deadline. A lot to break down. I just put out an article of the top 30 prospects moved at the deadline. We're going to talk about some of the biggest hauls. Of course, the Juan Soto trade. There is so much to unpack in this episode. And man, I feel like we're still recovering from what was a pretty wild deadline. I know I'm still recovering. Um, a lot of my uh, a lot of my organs are trying to just kind of like recuperate after that because I was put to the test, yeah. stress level wise, at yes. the very end. Because, yes, you were. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, listen, Chicago guy. I saw Chicago teams do nothing, and when five fifty eight rolled around, I was like, okay, here we go, time to strap in, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. But then you've got you know all these other deals flying through, and I'm trying to keep track. And wait, we've got. Brandon Marsh for Logan Ohapi, and we've got Jordan Montgomery for for, uh, Harrison Bader. Like, there were so many trades that I had no idea that those guys were going to move. That's the thing about the deadline that I love. It makes it more fun than I think any other, like, non-on-the-field-related thing in sports. The MLB trade deadline, because, yeah, you've got Luis Castillo moving. Yeah, you've got Frankie Montas moving. Yeah, you've got Juan Soto moving even, but... Juan Soto, we knew that that was a possibility. Nobody in Yankee land was talking about Jordan Montgomery. No. And Jordan Montgomery moves. That's why I love the deadline. Even Brandon Marsh, you know, we didn't get the like report of Brandon Marsh being shopped. And also, what does a return look like for Brandon Marsh? He's a prospect I've long really liked, but let's be real. He's been a disappointment at the big league level. He's a perfect fit still for the Phillies. And, uh, the, the Angels are able to get their catcher of the future here with Logan O'Hoppy, which we'll get to. So linked in the description of the podcast is the top 30 prospects traded at the deadline. I pretty much spent all of yesterday putting that together with write-ups on all 30 of them. You know, of course, the Abrams of the world, like you can just go look at our top 100 write-up on them. But there's a lot of guys that were moved that I think people, you know, may not know as much about and are pretty interesting players. Remember, when GMs are calling to try to make a move, they are picking out guys that are on the up and up, right? They're trying to buy low or, or pick 
some prospects that they feel like are heading in the right direction. I look at a couple of the guys that the Red Sox got, like Emmanuel Valdez, and we'll get to that. That's one of the top 20 prospects moved at the deadline. He homered for the first time already with the Red Sox or a Will Urbreu also in that deal. Really interesting. Chase McDermott, someone you specifically mentioned, uh, an arm that the numbers don't look that great, but there's more than what meets the eye. So check out that article to kind of get the whole breakdown on all of those things. I'm going to reference it in terms of where each of these prospects stack up when we reference each package and yeah. give you a little bit of an idea, you know, just perspective wise, because it, it's a little bit more uh, of a, I guess, context when instead of saying it's this team's number one, eight and whatever prospect, how do they stack up against the other prospects that were moved? So we'll start with the with the biggest trade of all trades, right? This is the biggest return in Major League Baseball history. Um, and I think it's going to be a long time before we see a return that beats this unless Shohei Otani is traded. And I mean, Juan Soto, he gets moved for, which was almost an iteration of what we we thought it would be. I think we floated a very similar package to this, but it was CJ Abrams, Mackenzie Gore. Then you also have James Wood, Harlan Susana, and Luke Voigt. Who am I missing? Hassel. And Robert Hassel. Good God. Yeah, Robert Hassel as well. Just the top 25 prospect in baseball that we we're talking about here. So to, to contextualize it there, CJ Abrams, number one prospect moved to the deadline, set to graduate quite soon. Robert Hassel, the third, third ranked prospect moved at the deadline. Pretty darn good as well. Um, I, I mean, you are never going to win when you're trading a Juan Soto type. It's very hard to do so, but I feel like this is as close as you can get. This was way better for them than the Josiah Gray, Kiebert Ruiz, Donovan Casey deal with Scherzer and Turner. I mean, like, so much of that was the Dodgers being willing to eat a massive sum for Max Scherzer, yeah. which does you a disservice if you are the selling team. Yeah. Um, I, I think what Mike Rizzo did so effectively this go-around is he got ahead of Soto. He got ahead of that. Two and a half years of Juan Soto is so much more valuable than one and a half years of Juan Soto, yep. which is what he moved Turner for. And it's way more valuable than an end of season rental for Juan Soto, which is what he moved Max Scherzer for. So he got ahead. He also knew he didn't have to move Soto. So the ball is in his court now versus last year. Felt like Scherzer and Turner, they were both on the move. Like yeah. that was out of his control. And he just had to say yes to the most enticing deal. This time he didn't have to say yes to anything, which in turn, Gave them the best return in yeah. trade history. Exactly. They were able to strong arm the Cardinals and say, hey, if you're not including Walker and Carlson, we'll, we'll pivot elsewhere. And yeah. ultimately, the Cardinals said, we're not going to do that. And that's not surprising. The Cardinals are typically a bit more conservative. And they pivot to A.J. Preller, who goes big. I'll start with Abrams, who's the number one prospect to move to the deadline. He was our number 13 prospect coming into the year. It's before Abrams. Can we actually start with Gore? Because Gore is technically not a prospect. Yes, true. Anymore, yes. But he's like a young arm. He's a rookie arm that I know, you know, like the back of your hand. I know like the back of my hand. Yeah, absolutely. I know you love Gore. The, the floor is yours on him. And and, and I'll add whatever, uh, you know, whatever I feel like I got to add. I mean, I think he can be an all-star left-handed pitcher. I, I think he can be an all-star starting pitcher. The fact that he has four pitches that he can go to at any moment, we've seen the fastball resurgence from him. It's a mid-90s fastball that he's comfortable with in any part of the zone. The curveball is the aesthetically pleasing pitch. He'll mix it in, but the slider and changeup are better than the curveball. 
Yep. When this guy is on, and obviously he's been dealing with something. He had elbow inflammation and in his throwing yeah, arm. I think they said they called it an elbow strain. You know, we'll see what. But again, this is even if God forbid he has to get shut down for the season, it, it, he's still an extremely valuable piece that you're you're going to have in the rotation for the next half decade. But anyway, we were, continue. I mean, we were talking about this guy being like the Clayton Kershaw of the next generation of baseball fans when he was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. And that is obviously the 100th percentile outcome for Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. But I think the 50th percentile outcome is still a three. I think Mackenzie Gore has ace potential. Legitimately think that he can be the ace of the Washington Nationals in two years. And I don't think either of us are going to be that surprised. So you go and get one of the most valuable young pitchers in all of Major League Baseball and Mackenzie Gore, who has gone through his trials and tribulations at the minor league level already. This yeah. guy has gone through the ringer and he hasn't even hit the six month point of him being 23 years old. He's a young 23. Absolutely. And the numbers are a bit inflated because I think he was pitching through some discomfort. He also yeah. had to pitch at Colorado at L.A. Uh, you know, there was there was a couple of tough matchups there. But if you look at the start to his season, I think it's pretty proven confidence wise, too. I mean, remember, this was a guy that when it was bad, he, he couldn't pitch at any level in the minor leagues. And then this season, through his first eight big league starts. Jack, he couldn't have been much better. 48 innings, nearly 11 strikeouts per nine, a 1-5-0 ERA. I, I mean, it's it's just spectacular what we saw from him, and we know he's capable of that. I don't think it's a coincidence that he struggles a little bit and then goes down with the injury. So I'm going to take the, the subsequent five or so starts with a grain of salt. We know what he's c- capable of, even if it's somewhere in between the start and the last five starts. I think that you got a really good and controllable starter here in Mackenzie Gore. And there's not much development left, I think, for him. He's got to find a feel and, you know, probably rely on the fastball a bit less. The, the, there was a large reliance on the heater still, but he was able to get away with that because of the shape, because of the deception, because of the way he was able to locate it. A little bit less use of the fastball, more use of those other secondaries that we know are really good. And uh, you've yeah. got a solid, I think the most likely outcome is uh, a high, high end three or an average two, which is really darn good. And you get a chance for more. And we know that. Yeah, I think so. And and that was a guy that I just wanted to mention really quickly, mm-hmm. because I know that prospect people were in love with him. And I know that you and I in particular have that soft spot for him because of what he went through last year. This guy got shut down after like two or three starts in AAA. And then all of a sudden resurfaced in the Arizona Complex League, not on a rehab or assignment or anything. Like he was just... Yeah in the Arizona complex league, because you mentioned when he was off, he couldn't throw at any level. He tried to get right. He went back to his pitching roots. He said, let me get good again at what made me the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. And that was him at the beginning of this year. And I think that can be him for 10 years. And, and he saw it at the big league level. And that's, that's, I think that's all he needed. And I think he'll get back there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really exciting to see him doing well and he's going to be in a low pressure environment now. That's for sure. And that's exactly what I was excited about with, with CJ Abrams is, you know, it's a low pressure environment. There's no need to win anytime soon. And Abrams was trying to like hit the ground running on a team that's trying to catch the Dodgers. And it's a lot, right? Like he doesn't know where he's playing. It's second. It's short. They're moving him all over. He's pinch running. He doesn't know if he's starting or not. He's up and down. Now he can just stick it short and be the shortstop of the future for the Washington Nationals. And Abrams is a guy that I did the dive over the last year of just watching how how much he's progressed defensively. 
And man, dude, I really love what we've seen from him defensively. I think this guy can be a good defensive shortstop who obviously brings a lot of tools to the table. And this is a young Trey Turner-esque, right? Right. This guy has a lot of young Trey Turner in him. I think he does. Um, I was just laughing because I was thinking about like Gore watching Patrick Corbin go seven innings, just wearing it, like wearing 10 earned runs. And then he's like, oh, fuck, it's my turn. And then you got CJ Abrams looking at Alcides Escobar go 0 for 4 with three punch outs. And it's like, oh, this is my turn now? That is so It's like AAA. Yes, you can't get worse than Patrick Corbin and Alcides Escobar right now. Um, yeah, I, I think Abrams, I love that Turner comp because I think that he has a lot of Trey Turner in him because Trey Turner is a hit machine. He's fast as hell, he's smooth, and he just slaps the ball around the field. That's what Abrams is going to be. I think you and I both think that there's a little bit more power in there than what we've seen from him this and, year. And that's what Turner's developed into, right? Like he was yeah. not always hitting a ton of homers. He was 13, 11, whatever. And now we're seeing way more pop. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to dream on Abrams right now? Or do you want to save that till the end? Do you want to talk his hundredth percentile outcome or. We'll I think his hundredth percentile outcome is, is Trey Turner, right? Like it, I, I do believe he has that kind of, power, <clears throat> excuse me, that kind of power in the tank. And, We've seen it in flashes. I know it was at altitude, but the ball he hit at Coors was ridiculous. He's hit some home runs in AAA that are 108, 109 miles an hour, and that's above average power, right? And that's all I've been trying to say because everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people have pushed back and been like, oh, he's a slap hitter, blah, blah, blah. He has the ability to slap it all over the yard. That doesn't mean that he's a slap hitter. Yes. There's above average power here. And with the plus plus hit tool, with 80 grade speed, with now above average defense at shortstop, this is a franchise cornerstone shortstop that you are really excited about who's big league ready. And I think we'll get going uh, offensively as, as he starts to just like get regular reps at the big league level. Batting title, 20 homers, 35 to 40 bags. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He's and, and the defense again, I'm really excited about what's happened there. The arm is strong. His actions have gotten much better. You've got a lot to dream on there, even in the the mid outcome, you know, like the the 50th percentile outcome. He's an above average regular with game changing speed who's still going to hit you 10 to 15 bombs and swipe 30 bags. Uh, That's a really good, really, really good player to have under control for five years. Yeah, I'm sorry to say it, but like as long as C.J. Abrams doesn't turn out to be Victor Robles, you're in a good spot. And he Um, won't. He won't. He's just a better hitter than Victor Robles ever was. Yeah. So the the next piece is is Robert Hassel, the third. And he he checks in at third uh, of our moved players at the deadline because of the fact that the Mariners were surprisingly willing to part with Noel V. Marte, who homered twice, by the way, in his uh, what was it? Was that his first game in the Reds organization? Yeah. Yeah. Two homers. Uh, That guy's going to be headed to double soon. Hassel, we've had him on the show. He's an awesome guy. He is a great baseball player. And I mean, this is a high floor prospect that's probably on his way to double A soon as well. Another dude that you're going to have to dream on the power a bit. And honestly, as crazy as this sounds, Jack, I've got more confidence in CJ Abrams tapping into his pop than I think Robert Hassel tapping into, you know, even more pop. That's the only concern I have at this point. The exit velos, the batted ball data continues to be a bit underwhelming, but there's no denying what he can do in terms of just 
bat to ball and all of the other things he brings to the table. He's playing good center field. He's 20 for 23 on bags. He still has hit 10 home runs. I just yeah. don't know if that's going to translate as much because it's just not, you know, top end exit below. It's, it's a little bit underwhelming there, but he does have a good feel for carry a good feel for backspin. And maybe that'll be enough for him to hit 20 home runs at the big league level. So what I will say is um, he's about two weeks shy of his 21st birthday. Congratulations. Have a bud heavy. You can put five pounds Ew, on it. Not a okay. heavy. Not a heavy. I mean, listen, dude, he's 6'2", 195. He, he might need to put yeah, that he might 200 need a butt heavy. Yeah, <laughs> He might need a butt heavy. Um, I, I think that he can he can tap into a little bit more physically there. I, I think that he's going to fill out just by being in professional baseball and being on a major league weight program, you know, for, for however much longer. So I think that we can expect 20 homers from him. Um, but you mentioned everything else that he does aside from everything else that he does. Well, everything else that he does is really freaking good. He's a 300 hitter. You mentioned he's 20 for 23 in the stolen base department. He's got an 850 OPS right now. Like I think this is the type of guy that we're looking at where he is, smooth as all get out bat to ball is insane and he is just an athlete man i mean we've seen his swings we've seen swings we've seen doubles that he hits off the wall in yeah. left center field with one on the hand left side with yeah. one hand and he's lunging at it yeah. because he's an athlete absolutely he's one of the better athletes in the minor leagues and i think that was one of the more slept on things about him right was it was Oh, he's going to develop into power and get heavy and probably move to a corner. Well, he hasn't developed the power quite as much, but let's let's also give credit where credit's due is because he hasn't become a clunker. He's actually leaning into the speed you know, side of things as well. And we, he talked about kind of finding that identity a little bit. And I think his identity right now is playing good center field, having his plus speed, which I saw 55 grades. He's a plus runner plus speed be a big part of the game. And if he can hit for some power, the home runs will come as well. He said that basically verbatim. And, and I think that is exactly what he should do is lean into what comes natural. Don't try to be someone you're not. And, and props to Hassel for sticking to that. And guess what? He does have 10 homers, right? He does still have, it's not like this is a Jordan Groshans thing, which we're going to get to where he's hitting for no power. You know, he has the ability to backspin baseballs, which even though it's, it's subpar, you know, 90th percentile exit below, he still is able to generate carry. He picks his spots. He's a smart hitter. If he can hit 15 to 20 home runs, all of the complementary skills and tools will be enough to make him a three to four win player at the center field position, which you will take that any day of the week. And I can't emphasize how safe of a prospect he is. He, yeah. it, the bat's going to translate. And when you're getting James Wood as the other piece, I'm very happy that you have a Robert Hassel to hedge it a little bit because you can dream on the ceiling of James Wood instead and, and just be really excited about the, the fringe all-star ceiling of Robert Hassel and the above average regular more likely outcome there. Yeah. And, and Wood is not a clunker, um, like you were saying. I mean, Wood still moves so well. Oh, no, he moves on, great. He moves great. You dream on the ceiling of James Wood being Aaron Judge. Yes. Um, yes. With Hassel, you know, I, I think what, what stands out to me is, yes, he is the safer option. He seems like he could step into a big league clubhouse right now and not be blown up, which is incredible. And he's still probably a 2023 ETA midway through next year, I yeah. think makes a lot of sense. He should get the bump to Harrisburg at some point soon. I don't even know if he reports to high A 
um, for Washington. He but shouldn't. He really shouldn't. He shouldn't. He should go to double. He's he, ready. He's ready for double. Uh, he was one of the best hitters in, in high A so far this year. Um, the last thing that I want to say about Hassel is, and I know you've watched it, um, when he first showed up to Fort Wayne last year as a 19-year-old, um, after he just made low A his bitch, like he he killed low A baseball in 2021. After he did that, um, he showed up. Everybody asked him, what's the main thing you want to work on now that you're in Fort Wayne? And he says, I got to work on, uh, you know, my abilities defensively. I got to work on jumps. I got to work on getting to balls. I'm like, dude, I'm watching you like track down fly balls in the alley and you glide to these. He does. He looks so smooth. He's a center fielder. He can be one of the better defensive center fielders in baseball, I think. He's got instincts. And, and I think that was one of the more slept on things about him is this guy has instincts. He gets good jumps. He's young. Again, like he doesn't have that many reps out there at the professional level and continues. There's a reason why we haven't seen him move that much to other spots. He hasn't played that many games in the corner. And when he does, it's more of like a day off or they wanted to get somebody else to start in center field and see how things go. You can usually tell, you know, for those who don't have access to all the video and don't have all the free time that that we have. And I call it free time because it's my job. But like, I don't expect someone that works. We have our. Yeah. Yeah, the free time is the wrong word, but I imagine someone with a nine to five just not wanting to sit down and watch Robert Hassel reads. Uh, but like, that's literally what I do. So if you don't have the time for that, you know, it tells you kind of it gives you a little bit of an indication of of what kind of defensive outfielder a guy is, especially in centers. Look at where he's getting his starts. If teams are starting to throw that guy in other corners and 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 start to play him more and more there, it's not always cut and dry like that. But usually, you can get a good indication. And Hassel has not been moved around to the corners very much at all, especially in the lower levels. That's something to watch. And James Wood, even that's a guy I was expecting to get more reps in the corners. They are keeping him in center. It's because this guy takes big strides. He moves pretty well. And he's solid out there, but no one gives a crap about James Woods defense at this point, right? Like, let's talk about the guy whose 90th percentile exit below is 110, Jack. That's on par with Jorge Soler. Like, if you if you put James Woods 90th percentile exit below up with the rest of the Marlins organization, that he's number one. Um, and, and that's just because I was just looking at that recently. That's why I'm picking the Marlins. But I guarantee he's top of the Nationals org now that Juan Soto and, and Josh Bell are out. He's probably the hardest hitting player now, big league or minor league in this entire organization for the Nats. But you know what the most insane part about it all is? He actually makes a ton of contact. 85% zone contact for the six foot seven, 230 pound, 19 year old who's putting up insane exit velos. His swing decisions aren't bad. He's incredibly passive, but we'll see how that, how that works at the higher level. But man, this guy's hit 480 foot home runs, sitting for average. He's walking. He's not, he's just not striking out much at all. This could be best player in baseball kind of ceiling. Long way to go. But man, if that's the fourth piece in the deal for you or whatever you want to call it, third or fourth piece, good God. He is slashing 337, 453, 601 in 50 games in low A. That's a 1054 OPS. And again, in 50 games in low A. 19 doubles, 10 homers, 15 for 20 in stolen bases, 37 walks, and just 42 strikeouts in 50 games. 
42 strikeouts in 50 games for a guy that is what, 6'7, 240? And 19 out of high school. And 19 years old. He is two years younger than the average hitter in low A, James Wood is. Um, what he has done and seeing the videos, granted, Lake Elsinore is in the California desert. The air is super dry, Don't super care. thin. Don't <laughs> care. He hits bombs to the deepest part of the ballpark and they get out by 50 feet. This dude, he plays at Oakland Coliseum. Like, he will be a 30-homer guy at Oakland Coliseum. That's the type of guy we're looking at. And when we talk about 90th percentile exit velocity, um, with the Pirates, O'Neill Cruz was number one before he even made his Major League debut. Um, the other guys that we're looking at that aren't named Judge or Stanton, it's O'Neill, it's Jorge Soler, and then is it James Wood? Yeah, in terms Ellie of being at the one ten, maybe. Yes. Yeah, it's it's you know you got the Stantons and those guys of the world, but I think if if I was able to pull eighty five percent zone contact and a one oh nine at ninetieth percentile exit, like, he might list. be the only guy. He might be the only guy. I don't I don't even know. And I know it's at low A, and we'll see. You know how he is able to adjust to the high spin fastballs that come in high A and the harder sliders in the zone, but. The limited in zone whiff of James Wood is just the best and most encouraging thing ever. John Heyman said, you know, this was a big sticking point in the negotiations, right? The, the Nationals were prepared to, to potentially walk away if James Wood was not included in the deal. That's how badly they wanted him. And, and again, I, I get it because you're getting two guaranteed big leaguers in Abrams and Gore. I think they're much more than that, but they're guaranteed big leaguers. Hassel is as close as you can get to a guaranteed big leaguer from a high A prospect. So yeah. swing for the fences and the next two pieces, they swing for the fences. Wood could be a perennial all-star. He could be the best player out of this whole deal. He could also flame out and double. I don't think it's going to happen because of how encouraging the batted ball dad is. But I think a lot of people are forgetting about Harlan Susana. And I did a big dive on Harlan Susana after the trade. And he was a $1.7 million international free agent 2021 slash 2022's class. The top arm in that class. He's the 11th ranked prospect in our top 30 moves at the deadline, which is pretty damn good. That's right ahead of Jordan Groshans and right behind Hayden Wisniewski. Um, he's a good prospect that at 6'6", 235 as a teenager, has a fastball that can re reach triple digits and an upper 80 slider that is pretty devastating. He's 18. He's 18 and already has this kind of stuff. That's the last piece in your deal besides Luke Voigt. Yeah, and the big thing that I want to point out is he is already stateside. He's not in the Dominican Summer League. He is in the Arizona Complex League. Like, there is a world in September that he's pitching in low A for the yeah. Nationals. This and he's year. already hitting 100. He's hitting 100, and he is annihilating the Complex League. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not fair. Stuff. I don't know why they're doing this to, to poor kids out there. No, I mean, they're, they're wrecking these kids. And, like, <laughs> at the Arizona Complex League for the Padres, Eight appearances, seven of which starts. He had a 2-4-5 ERA. That's eight earned runs in 29 in the third innings. He allowed 15 hits to 111 hitters that he faced. An 8-8 whip, a .88 whip, allowing 4.6 hits per nine. In 29 in the third innings, 44 strikeouts, <laughs> 11 walks. He's just overpowering. It's, he's throwing bullpens out there. It's incredible. Like it, they're pretty much standing in and say, you can swing if you want. Like, it's not like you're going to make contact 13 and a half punch outs per nine, three and a half walks per nine, which I'll take from an 18 year old, but four and a half hits per nine. I mean, dude, it's as a killer. And that's the last piece in the deal. And then they get yeah. a Luke Voigt who 
You're going to throw him at first. Makes your team semi-presentable. Um, he's fun to watch, you know, and ultimately if he gets hot, he's under control till 2025. They can flip him maybe at the deadline next year for a couple mid-level prospects. And, you know, we can kind of add that on top of this deal as well. They made out as good as they possibly could, I think, given the circumstances. And I mean, this is I, I Fangraphs put it best. Fangraphs had an article that I it really just put it in perspective for me on the on the Soto trade. And they they said the the value that they brought in matched the entire value of the entire farm system prior to the trade. So they basically doubled the value of their farm system with this move. That's all you need to know. Uh, that's the best you can do. Of course, I always advocate for holding on to your future Hall of Famers. But if he's not going to resign, this is as good as you can do. Um, let's try to fly through some of these other deals uh, before we get to you know some of the other larger deals. I'm, I'm saving Tyler Malley because I want to kind of get through the one for ones and those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. The number five prospect moved at the deadline. Logan Ohapi. Yeah. Um, we talked about it briefly, but. I really like the bat. He could be a bit better at limiting the the run game. And, and there's so many factors that go into that, that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to weigh too hard on that, but he's only throwing out 24% of runners, but you know, he could have some slow pitchers to home. He does have an average arm at the very least. I think it's above average and he receives and defends well enough. He's a plus bat for a catcher and he's not a, a liability defensively at all. I think he's, he's average at the very worst. So the Angels have their catcher of the future. He's already in AAA. He should be big league ready by September if you really want, but there's no reason to rush him. They could wait till next year. Brandon Marsh goes over. I know he's not a prospect anymore, but he's instantly a much needed defensive help up the middle. I still believe in the bat. I really do. I think he's going to find his way. Um, but this was an interesting surprise trade. Ohapi, 16 homers already uh, this year between double and AAA. A really nice breakout for, for him this year. Yeah, I, I really appreciated uh, Eno Saris. I, I think Eno does an insanely good job over at the, at, at the Athletic. And he is like, he is making baseball nerdisms really cool. Like that's yeah. what Eno has always done. And I thought Eno did a great job plucking four guys, offensive-minded minor league catchers, when he was talking about this Ohapi for Marsh deal. And he put together a little table involving Logan Ohapi, Bo Naylor, Roddy Reed and Paul McIntosh. <laughs> P-Mac, hell yeah. P-Mac, I know. So looking at these guys, um, in terms of walk rate, Bo Naylor, 21%, Reed, 12.9%, McIntosh, 14.1%, Logan O'Hoppy, 13.0%. A 13% walk rate for Logan O'Hoppy. Look at strikeout rate for these guys. Offensive-minded minor league catchers. P-Mac, 20% K rate. Roddy Reed, 19% K rate. Bo Naylor, 21% K rate. Logan Ohapi, 16.5% K rate. And then you look at isolated power. Bo Naylor is the other one that I want to compare him to because Roddy Reed's not really a, a real prospect, yeah. I would say. PMAC has a 206 isolated power. Bo Naylor has a 200 isolated power. Logan Ohapi's got a 221 isolated yep. power. That's a great number. That's a great a number. 16.5% K rate a 13% walk rate, and a 221 isolated power. Eno put it best here. I think of the bat-first catchers that can legitimately make it to Major League Baseball right now, aside from Francisco Alvarez and Gabby Moreno. like and those, guys, but those guys are also above-average defenders. Yeah, exactly. But this tells you all you got to know about Logan Ohapi. The Angels just got their catcher. 
And and I'll tell you this, I've seen a lot of Paul McIntosh. I, I love him. He's an awesome story. And and even Bo Naylor is, is a really good prospect, but Ohapi's the best defender of the bunch, I think, too. So you, you mentioned all of the offensive things. He's the best offensive-minded catcher, but he also hedges his weakness better than than anybody else, or I wouldn't even call it a weakness. I think he's an average defender. So he's in a really good spot. He's a great defensive catcher, or sorry, a great catching prospect that yeah. needs to work on the defense, but I think that'll get there, and there might be less importance on that in a lot of ways very soon. So, you know, we'll see how he kind of progresses there. And remember, the Angels already signed Stassi to a to a miniature extension, too. So if if Ohapi isn't ready to be an everyday catcher, Stassi can catch, Ohapi can DH, and then, you know, flip-flop. And he's athletic enough, can play other positions, and, and you know, maybe you can hide him. At, ah, that's the problem, though. You got Jared Walsh at first. Just, that's somebody else's problem. We're talking prospects and stuff like that. So <laughs> I have yeah. no idea how they're going to handle that. But, you know, Stassi, I will say, we had Anthony Mulrine on the podcast, and he talked about how Stassi and Suzuki – were really helpful for him, a catcher in the Angels organization, in his development and learning. And um, he gives a lot of credit to the Angels, uh, really just organization in general for developing catchers defensively. He's a defensive-minded catcher. So, you know, maybe that's something that can kind of help Ohapi get over the top. One other yep. one-for-one that I wanted to get on is, is, is Hayden Wesneski, who's our number 10th ranked prospect, moved at the deadline. I thought the Cubs did pretty decent. I know they didn't move any of their blue chip guys, but for the guys that they did move, they did get the arms that they needed. Good right-handers with a shot to stick in the rotation. Aiden Wisniewski is exactly that. I mean, to get your the, our 10th ranked prospect move at the deadline for Scott Efros, who comes with years of control as a rookie uh, by definition, which is why he was able to, or why the Cubs were able to get a prospect of Wisniewski's caliber. But I mean, Wisniewski has been really good. Uh, he has a lot of different ways he can attack you, continues to just learn the nuances of pitching, uh, which is the way I put it too, because he has the four-seamer at the top of the zone now, the two-seamer slash sinker at the bottom of the zone, a cutter that he'll manipulate to more of a devastating slider, which or you could call it vice versa, a devastating slider that he can manipulate to a harder cutter, and then also a changeup that is passable as well. This guy's going to stick in the rotation. I think he's going to be a really solid number four. I think so too. Um, and, and for the Cubs, I love this deal because hey, you did not expect anything from Scott Efros. Like you expected to maybe like get get him a cup of coffee in the big league level, DFA him, and then like just lose him to minor league free agency and he signs a minor league deal elsewhere. The, like that's what you expect from right-handed relievers that are 28 years old. Relievers are the best found money in baseball. Yes. They found my, they found a a legitimate starting pitching prospect for Scott Efros, who at the beginning of this year, they had no faith in whatsoever. He puts together a great couple of months. Jed Hoyer looks at that and says, damn, thank you, Scott. Let's get you on a winner. Let's get you to New York and let's get a really good pitching prospect in return. I think this is a win-win. Efros gets to fight for a title over the next couple of years. Uh, and the Cubs got Hayden Wisniewski, which is a big win. And the Yankees have a bullpen piece now that, you know, is is affordable for the next four or five years. I know the Yankees like to spend, but they got to mix in some guys that are that are low budget. And he's going to be even if he's a sixth inning guy or the eighth inning guy, more likely to be the sixth or seventh inning guy. He's set and cheap and controllable and fits right into their bullpen for a long time with little and low, and low sidearm sinker slider. Everybody needs one of those. Exactly. So uh, one other 
kind of quick trade I wanted to get into is the Josh Hader move because from the prospect perspective, it's, there's not that much there uh, other than a story Ruiz, who was our number nine ranked prospect moved, but not that much else to dive into. I love Robert Gasser. I really yeah. do. Um, and that's another guy that I'm excited to see him move or excited to see him kind of get an opportunity there with the Brewers who've done a good job in terms of developing pitchers. Gasser's our 16th ranked prospect moved at the deadline. So for Josh Hader, you get the ninth and 16th ranked prospects moved as well as Taylor Rogers. And then Denelson Lamette, who you later DFA anyways, um, yeah. which is pretty surprising. Interested to see where he lands. Um, Estrella Ruiz has been a wonderful story. Uh, between double and triple A this year, hitting 333, 467, 560 with 60 bags in 77 games. That's a big thing. 60 stolen bases. Good defender in, in all three spots. I think, you know, could clean up the routes in center. But, and I think Ruiz, 13 homers, he could tick up to 20. The impact is there. He's more of a line drive hitter. He doesn't try to lift, which I like, given that he's a speed demon. Um, he's got 20 home run upside in American family field. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, he's got to hit enough and we'll see how it translates. But four outfielders activated by AAA Nashville on the same day. Esteri Ruiz, Joey Weimer, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell. They all went up on the same day. That's the best outfield in minor league baseball. They might just clean house with the outfield. Say, Yelich, rest up, just DH or whatever. You can play outfield some other days. And uh, in a couple of years, I think that's probably the vision. To get the most out of Yelich is just have him DH. That'd be kind of awesome. Yeah, I love it. DH with some assortment of Weimer, Freelich, Mitchell, and Ruiz in the outfield. Like, dude, I, I think the Brewers are in a good spot right now. What stinks for the Brewers is I think they were hoping um, to be in a great spot right now because they lead the NL Central. You would hope that they're contending for a World Series. Obviously, they're not contending for a World Series because they made no offensive improvements and they trade the best closer since Mariano Rivera. So it, it's tough. Yeah. And so what's the plan? And even triple you talk about like what they've got there before we move on real quick. They've got like four outfielders there now. Yeah. I think it's like Ruiz. Do they try Ruiz in the infield? Like what is Ruiz kind of the odd man out here? Cause I think so, he should be the, the guy up the middle for the, for like now, if they're going to call somebody up, it should be him at the big league level. Obviously he's already raked at triple. What do they yeah. do? So Ruiz, um, he played second base in the lower levels. I don't think he's a second baseman. He's an outfielder moving forward. Um, they could audition him at second base a little bit more because um, you got Colton Wong, I think, on an expiring deal after this year, right? I think he's done. Yeah, I think um, he's done after this year. Yeah, so like you could try Ruiz a little bit at second base. I didn't see the lineup the first couple of days that Ruiz was active with them. But I mean... At the minor league level, with how many different guys get uh, however many different reps, I think just having three of them in the outfield and one DHing or getting a day off yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, definitely, and and uh, I'm I'm interested to see kind of how many how the reps are split up in center, kind of what we were talking about earlier, because obviously Freelick's yeah. the best athlete in terms of uh, just being able to to do a little bit of everything and and control his body and things like that. But Ruiz is as fast as anybody. So should be fun to see how they handle that. Uh, a couple other packages to get into uh, before we wrap up the episode here. Uh, you got the Jordan Groshen swap for the Marlins. Uh, we'll, we'll just quickly touch on that. Groshen's is a good get, I think, for the Marlins, given that they traded a Rule 5 draft pick in Zach Pop and then a reliever in Anthony Bass, who everybody wanted a DFA last year. Uh, but you know, somehow you still get some Marlins fans that are not happy with it because Groshans is not hitting well in AAA. He's 22 years old. I've always been lower on Groshans, and I'll, I'll, I'll 
preface with that, but 22 years old in AAA with a high walk rate, low K rate, his exit velos are higher, but the power is not there yet. At the very least, you've got a good, you know, bat to ball prospect that you're hoping can develop into more, more power. Um, he's, he's a pretty big dude. So you're hoping there, but at the very least bat to ball is there. Uh, probably moving off a short, but again, you got him for two relievers. I don't think it's a, it's the worst thing in the world. Did pick up a hit in his triple a debut with the Marlins yesterday. Uh, and he did start at shortstop for what that's worth. Um, you also got Victor Acosta who is respectfully a lottery ticket, but a $1.8 million lottery ticket, uh, yeah. 2021 international free agent signing class was swapped straight up for Brandon Drury. Um, Acosta, a lot of upside. I like the Reds doing that. Their system's already loaded. They've brought in a lot of really good talent. Swing for the fences here with your rental Brandon Drury. They do that. They get a very high upside prospect that is very far away, but you can dream on a lot with Victor Acosta. Um, and then Ben Brown. I, I really liked the Cubs getting Ben Brown. He comes over from the Phillies for David Robertson. Brown's a 22-year-old who has hardly pitched because he was drafted in several years ago, then had Tommy John, then COVID. And so this is our first chance of really seeing him. Still just 22 because he was drafted out of high school. Heater sits 95 to 97. He's, he's a big, strong dude. And Slider lives in the high 80s. I think there's a lot to like about Ben Brown. Cubs get another power righty. I love the arms that they're adding to the fold here. Let's wrap up for the most part. I think we'll try and squeeze in some other some other packages as well, uh, but we'll probably have to just do another episode, you know, on some of the other guys. I want to talk about the Orioles swaps with you know, Mancini yeah, and yeah, the yeah. prospects all change hands, but I want to do that on another episode because I want to hit on the big ones. And I'm sure our listeners were kind of waiting on us to get to, which is the A's Yankees trade with Montas. And then, of course, Tyler Malley uh, and, and that swap with the Reds yeah. and the Twins. Let's start yep. with the one that came first, which was the A's and the Yankees swapping Montes for what was Ken Waldachuk. Yeah. You also had Luis Medina. You had Cooper Bowman and mm-hmm. JP Sears. Yes. There we go. I, you know, it's a, it's really a test. Like it, it's funny. I'll remember those deals and then I'll forget like Robert Hassel and the, in the, in, in the, you know, in the soda return because my brain is scrambled eggs, but happy. I remember that one here. It's a good return. I think it was surprisingly light because I love Ken Waldachuk. And that was a guy that I was praising to the moon before this season. We put him in our top 100. And I think we we're one of the only ones to have him in the top 100 across the entire industry. But now you go look at fan graphs and I think they've got him at number 35 in all of baseball. <laughs> so the industry has come, come around to Ken Waldachuk. And I think that you could probably say he's somewhere between that. I think when you look at the package here where people are like, wow, that's a light package. This guy's most likely regarded as a top 60, top 70 prospect in baseball now with what he's doing. Uh, but the other pieces are not very exciting. We'll talk about Medina on the upside, but let's focus on Waldachuk here. This is a guy that could be in the rotation in the next couple of weeks, I think, for the A's and probably should be with what he's done this year. Lefty, big dude, good stuff. I, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's going to be a middle of the rotation starter for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he started in double this year. Double was too easy for him. Six starts, he had a one two six ERA. Like, criminal. It was four earned runs in 28 and two-thirds innings. So he got the bump to Scranton, and he's still a three-and-a-half ERA guy. Um, I think instead of seeing, what's his name? Zach Logue. Is that who they're yes, running out right Zach now? Logue. Instead of seeing Zach Logue, <clears throat> I'd prefer to see Ken Waldachuk. I really would. So I, I think that... 
Ken can get up this year. If not, he breaks camp with Oakland next year. Um, yeah, somewhere in between, like if you were to just slap him on a board right now, like first name on a board, you have one through 100 on the whiteboard. Where are you putting him without having any other name? Do you think he's like a 70 guy? Yeah, I think he's in the 60 to 70 range in the top yeah. 100. Yeah. So <laughs> proximity is important. You know, I think the floor, he's a guaranteed big league starter at this point, I think. You know, it's just whether yeah. he's a four or or a high, high end three or yeah. maybe squeezes out a low end two. I think he's got a really good chance of being a solid three. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I think that this return was a bit diminished because of Frankie's shoulder. Yeah. And, and we were talking about that. Like shoulders are so much more scary than elbows. It's incredible because oh. shoulders, those are sustainable issues. Um, the elbow is it rips. You're out for a year and a half. Then and then it's cooked. stronger. Yeah. And then it's stronger. Well, the like, shoulder's so complicated, too. I mean, like I can even speak to, to my own experience. So I can't even imagine to, you know, a major league pitcher who needs it to be optimized at the highest form. I was on the phone yesterday for 30 minutes and my shoulder's starting to hurt again. I already got my labrum surgery. And I got to get it checked out again because I went and played in a men's league and, you know, I, I, I aggravated it. The shoulder is so complicated that it's it's the labrum. It's the rotator cuff. It's thoracic outlet. There's so many different things with the elbow. You just it's UCL. That's pretty much it. Maybe you have some rare, rare other things, but it's it's really usually just UCL. So uh, it, it's it's complicated and I wouldn't be surprised now I'm going to have some other shoulder issue that I got to take care of. But like that's how com- it's doctors will tell you one of the most complicated parts of the body. So. Waldachuk is a very durable guy too, which I like 24 years yeah. old and funky delivery, really hard to pick up. He tunnels his fastball and change up really well. No yeah. one hits the fastball. The fastball has a 679 OPS against the changeup is plus. And now his breaking balls have ticked up. He has a slider and a curveball. They'll blend together at times, but both really good. Big fan of Waldachuk. Second piece that comes in is Medina, who <laughs> I was looking at Medina uh, after they made the move, right? He's replicating almost to a T what he did last year in double A, which is a lot of strikeouts and a lot of walks. It's it's actually comical how similar it is. So last year in double A in 73 and two thirds innings, Jack, 10.14 walks per nine, 5.01 or sorry, 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 sorry. That was messed up. 10.14 strikeouts per nine, 5.01 walks per nine. This year in double A in 72 innings, 10.13 strikeouts per nine, 5.00 walks per nine. He's literally off by 0.01 in both departments and is one inning off uh, from, you know, in terms of how much he's thrown. Essentially, he is the same exact guy that we were concerned about last year and has not really done much to hedge those concerns. And if anything, you know, you look at the FIP, it's higher because he has had a lot of added ball luck. He's got to be a reliever, man. Like he's a reliever. He throws a hundred. That's great. It's a little flat. The curveball's nasty. He's going to be, he could be a dynamite back end reliever. Did you see what he did in his first start with Midland? Oh God. Oh no. Yeah. That's ugly. Two innings, four hits, seven runs, all earned because he struck out one and walked four. Yeah. Um, not a great, not great. And then Cooper Bowman, like, all right. You know, like, I, I won't even pretend I know that much on Cooper Bowman. Like, Bowman had some good numbers in high A. 
at points <laughs> and then really started to strike out a lot. He's fast. Swiped a lot of bags. He did homer in his first game with Oakland in high A. But I mean, that, that's, that's like a tertiary piece. He's 22 in high A and you know, you're hoping he's going to hit enough. Um, it's it's not the most inspiring return ever. JP Sears is a 26 year old who's already you know looked pretty good at the big league level, but it's it's not nothing to write home about, right? I think the Tyler Malley return is more exciting, if anything. Yeah, I, well, I think the Malley return is way more exciting, and um, I I don't know if that was Oakland saying okay, yeah, deal, or it was the Yankees saying hey, Montas's shoulder might be screwed up. We'll yeah, see what happens, but. I think if Frankie Montas puts together a good two months here, it's already a win of a trade. Cause I just don't see like, I don't see the serious impact from any of these four guys. For it, Oakland. It's funny. I almost, I almost look at it like as if this was a trade, if, if Montas didn't have the control, right? Like if he was a rental. Yeah. This, I thought this was a rental return, like subtract JP Sears. And I'd be like, Oh, that's like the rental return, right? Like those three guys. Um, and maybe the VAs are higher on Medina than we are. Uh, maybe they view Waldachuk as a top 40 guy like Fangraphs does. I have no idea. Um, I love Waldachuk, so I'm glad they got him at least, but it, it is surprising. Let's wrap up with the Tyler Malley return. And, and for reference, Waldachuk, number six prospect ranked um, in our in our deadline uh, of, of moved prospects. Number seven is Steer. And Spencer Steer was the headliner in this Tyler Malley package. I like it because it's kind of what the what the Reds really needed is is two bats, one that is basically big league ready, one that has got huge power potential in Christian Encarnacion Strand, and then Steven Hadjar. Um, I like him, man. I I, I really like him. I, I did a dive. I was watching some starts. He's got a four pitch mix. Yeah, uh, a fastball in the low nineties, a good change up off of that, and and I like the breaking ball. Um. I like what they got here. Um, and Spencer Steer will probably be in their opening day lineup next year uh, and probably be playing third. Uh, or, you know, obviously Jonathan India is at second, but God forbid you need it. He can play second. He can play shortstop in a pinch. He's not a yeah. great one, but he's passable shortstop. He could be the third baseman in a great American ballpark. He will have more than enough offensive production there. He's already hit 24 bombs in 83 games this year. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he is, he's really, really good. I think he's just a pure hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, with Steer, what I love is he feels like that guy. And, and I've seen him at multiple levels. I've seen him out on the Cape. I've seen him in uh, in high A. And I've seen him here in AAA. I've seen him with St. Paul. And then he should be being added to Louisville's roster at some point this week. And I've got Louisville again tonight and tomorrow. So uh, maybe Steer is making his Louisville Bats debut tonight when I go to the ballpark and I see the lineup. And it's like, oh, great. Um, with, with Steer, I think that you got a confirmed big leaguer. His floor is big leaguer. His floor feels very similar to that of Matt McClain, right? It's just a guy that's going to show up, play serviceable defense, and hit. And, yep. and I think that's what we're looking at with Steer, which will be great. Um, you get that safe bet that is a futures game guy. Like he was good enough to be in the futures game. Um, and then you also complement that with insane power potential of Christian Encarnacion Strand. Yeah. So to wrap up on Steer, and then I'm some crazy power numbers on Encarnacion Strand that I'm excited to get to is. People sleep on steer in terms of the, the power that he can produce. He's more of a line drive guy. He started to tap into more lift, and that's why we're seeing him hit more homers. 90th percentile exit velo of 103.8. Good is considered about 103. 
So he's yeah. above he's above good in that department. We know that the bat to ball is there. You, you can really imagine a Brandon Drury type of of production from 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 him here at at Great American Ballpark. Ball Park. I think it could be exactly that of uh, what they got from him this year, and uh, with years of control, with a little bit of speed to mix in and versatility. Uh, Encarnacion Strand's a freak. <laughs> I was talking about this. I went on, I went on Red's uh, ESPN radio with Mo Egger on his show, and Mo Egger rocks. Um, always has. It's always a ton of fun with him on there. I mentioned Encarnacion Strand has nine homers over 420 feet this year, yeah. and I had some some people replying, "Well, it doesn't matter how far you hit it. It's just to contextualize how how much power this guy has. He can miss hit baseballs that will get out at Great American." One of the more in, insanely aggressive approaches I've seen, but what's yeah. amazing is that he is is keeping the strikeout rate in check. His numbers haven't taken a hit and double like I thought they would with the aggressive approach. They've gotten could, better. Yes, he could tone it down. He needs to tone it down because he's game planable. Like you, you can definitely game plan for him at the big league level. But the fact that he is able to produce with a thirty nine percent chase rate is a testament to how good his bat to ball is for a guy of his size. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, like this guy between 74 games um, in high A, 13 games in double A, 25 doubles, 25 bombs, 85 driven in in 87 games, and he's slashing 302, 374, 612. And it's only 22. Yeah, he he is probably – you think he's the biggest breakout power prospect in minor league baseball this year? I think he easily is. I mean, because you know, I had no, Will, I was, if I was, I wouldn't even pretend he was on my radar coming into this year. Yeah. This guy hit a like, home run 484 feet. I know, dude. I mean, young Kenzie Noel and Ellie De La Cruz, they, they were starting to be on, they were on radar our radar at the end they were of the year. Yeah. I've been talking about like, Noel hey, for a year. Good. You know, like yeah. I, this guy came out of nowhere. I can't even fake it. I had Absolutely no idea. Where nowhere. And yeah. He, no. Offensively limited, though. That's okay. He hit bombs. He's might be the first baseman of the future. That, that's very possible. I think the hope is that he can man first base after after Joey Votto's days are done. Um, and then Hadger, again, just another good arm to mix in here. I think has, you know, a really good chance to be a back end of the rotation starter. And and I like his stuff. The strikeout numbers are fantastic for Hadjar and Loe right now and probably going to get caught up to high A soon and uh, kind of just fits the mold of like an Andrew Abbott type. Um, I, I really, I really like what they got here in this return for Tyler Malley. It's, it's, it's a nice group of players. Um, we'll get into more of the other deals and on tomorrow's episode, um, with, with some of the more filling in the cracks, but if you don't want to wait, check out the article that's linked in the description of the podcast with the top 30 prospects moved at the deadline. We'll wrap up the rest of the trades in the future. You know, maybe on tomorrow's episode, a lot more exciting prospects. You can kind of get into those with the link in the description. That'll do it for this episode of The Call Up. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you about prospects tomorrow. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.